John chapter number 6. And last Sunday morning, we talked about the name of Jesus. And we talked about the first time that we, we really see Jesus, uh, the, the name I am, the first time we see that is in the Old Testament book of Exodus. And we talked about a group of people that were there and they were in, in uh, 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 Egypt, a place called Goshen. And these people were in bondage. And as I have thought about that this week and as I have been uh, at the church and other places, I've thought about the number of people that has walked through the doors of Main Street Church that are in bondage. You wouldn't believe the people that we ministered to this past Wednesday night in big church and in the youth group and in team kid, people that are in the Main Street family that suffers from a great deal of bondage. There comes Thursday night and there's a recovery team and there's all kinds of people there that suffer from bondage and I look forward to next Sunday night at 5 o'clock when we get, as a church family, gets to come together and support that ministry. We'll talk more about that later. But Wednesday night, our, our, our church, Thursday night, our, our recovery ministry, because of Facebook and every other means of social media, uh, we've been touched by people in other parts of the United States of America who are suffering from bondage. And then I'm reminded that, that, that God said to Moses, when the children of Israel and when Pharaoh ask you who has sent you, you tell them that I am has sent you. And it was the word Yahweh and it was written in, in such a way in Hebrew that it couldn't even be pronounced. The name Yahweh was an unpronounceable name and rabbis and scholars had to add some vowels to that, those consonants to make the name even pronounceable. And I praise the Lord that in the New Testament that Mary brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in the manger and they called his name Jesus. A name that we can say, a name that we can mention, a name that can minister to our hearts. And we discovered in the Word of God why the name Jesus was exalted. What Jesus went through as the second person in the Godhead. What He did that would cause His name to be the name above every name. And when we saw at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And we are aware that every tongue would confess. And then we pressed on into that name just a little bit. And we saw where Jesus that name is a live and active name, for it is, for it has power. There is power in the name of Jesus. August 12, 2018, that is named, there is power in the name, and it is a present tense power. And then we can walk in that power today. And in John chapter number 6, verse number 35, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That's verse 35. we got 35 verses to go through before we can get to that passage. So let's back up to John chapter number 6. Let's begin in verse number 1. And I've already told you I could preach for hours. I'm not going to do that. But you need to be very attentive, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to allow you to hang on for the next 25 or so minutes. 
Because the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter number 6, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy food that we may, that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so men sat down in number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments and five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number one, After these things. Jesus' earthly ministry lasted about 42 months in duration. Jesus died when he was 33 and a half years old. We know that he was born in Bethlehem. And um, we, knew that he, we know that he came to the temple at the age of 12. And he spent some time with, with the teachers and, and people at, at, uh, at the temple. And then we see him coming to the Jordan River and, and being baptized by John. The first 30 years of his life, we don't know much about that. But we know that Jesus left his his home in Nazareth, and he came to the to the Jordan River. He walked into the Jordan River. John baptized him, and when he brought him up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And, and, and the Bible says there was a great voice of heaven out of heaven saying, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I don't have any Bible to back this up, but I believe with all my heart, at that moment when Jesus was baptized, that was his 30th birthday on earth. No Bible. I can't back that up. That's just based on my study of the Scriptures. I believe that Jesus was baptized on his 30th birthday. And after that, for the next three and a half years, he ministered for the next 42 months. He ministered as the Son of God in the earth. And for the first, 40, uh, the first 21 months of his ministry, things were great. The Bible says, after these things, after what things? After Jesus had turned the water to wine, after Jesus had been by the pool of Bethesda and healed the man who had been lame for 38 years, after Jesus had healed the nobleman's son, after he had spent time laying in name, raising up the teenage boy, after he had been in the presence of legion, after these 
things. Jesus, for the first 21 months, he had a great ministry. Large crowds sought out Jesus early in his ministry. They, they came to him. He did not, didn't go put up a sign and didn't put up a tear in. People came seeking Jesus Christ. And in verse 1, he took his disciples to this barren place. Verse number 2 says, this great multitude followed him because they saw his signs. John does not use the word miracles. John uses the word sign. And the reason he does that is because a sign points you towards something. Jesus changed water to wine. Yes, that's a miracle, but he wanted to, that to be a sign of who he was. Yes, he, he healed the man by the pool, but that was a miracle. But Jesus is trying to point out, I want you to look at these signs and I want you to recognize who I am. The Bible says, now, verse 4, now the Passover of the a feast of the Jews was near. A Passover... At Passover, the Jews anticipated the coming of the Messiah. Passover was an exciting time in the life of the Jews. Thirty days before Passover, they began preparing their homes and they began uh, getting ready. It's kind of like football season around here. They were getting so excited. I hate it when I say something funny and you guys don't laugh. Passover was an exciting. Thirty days they would start getting ready. Fifteen days they were preparing, looking forward to Passover. Now here they are. The Passover, the feast of the Jews is near. Can you see these people coming up the mountain? Five thousand men plus women and children. And as they're coming toward Jesus, I can just hear them talking. Did you hear about what Jesus did in the temple? Did you hear that he cleared out the temple? Well, there was the wedding at Canaan. He he changed water to wine. And there was this dude, Legion. He was filled with demons. And the last time we saw Legion, he was sitting at the foot of Jesus, talking and in his right mind. Oh, this Jesus, he is... Now, at Passover, the Jews really, really concentrated. They thought about, they believed that Passover was when the Messiah would come. Oh, He has done all of these great miracles. Do you think? Do you think this Jesus, do you think that He might be the one? This large crowd, they come to Jesus. They're in a barren place. And He teaches. And He teaches. And he teaches. And I can just see those disciples. It's 11 o'clock. We ain't had lunch. One o'clock. I'm hungry. It's 5.30. I can see them. This miracle that you read about in John chapter number 6 is recorded in all four Gospels. And the disciples said, Lord, we need to let these people go so that they can find themselves something to eat. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said this, you give them something to eat. And John recorded that Jesus said specifically to Philip, 
Philip, where can we buy bread that we might feed these people? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Jesus, because I've been thinking about this all day long. It's about 15 past four, and here's my calculator. If we had eight months' wages, if we had all this money according to my calculator, we couldn't give everybody here just a little. Now, these people are hungry, and, and these people are in need. And Jesus has said to the disciples, well, give them something to eat. The disciples don't have anything to give them. They don't have any money. Jesus never sends people away that need him. As a matter of fact, Jesus has stacked the deck here in John chapter number 6. He has went to a barren place. He's preached all day long. He knows that these people are hungry. And he knows that, 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 that the only resource there is a little boy with five loaves and two fishes. And somebody said, praise the Lord that that little boy was there with five loaves and two fishes. This little boy saved the day. With all due respect to the little boy, Jesus didn't need him. These people are hungry and they're starving and this guy has brought to Jesus what he has and I'll preach on that just a minute. But let me tell you something. This is God's only son. He could call down manna from heaven. He could speak to the rocks and the rocks would command the rocks to become bread. Peter, Philip, what do I need you for? You stand right there. You watch these 5,000 men plus women and children. I'll go down to the Sea of Galilee. I'll catch me a fish. I'll bring out all the money out of that fish's mouth. I'll have all the money I need to feed it. This is God. And this young man has shown up with five loaves and, and, and two fishes. And, and, and he takes that, 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 that those five little pancakes and those two sardines. And he blesses it. He breaks it. He blesses it. He, he takes it from the little boy. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it to his disciples. And his disciples distribute it. The resources available to Jesus is unlimited. Jesus has resources that, that, that we know not of. When those people were in the wilderness and they were in need of manna, do you know what? That manna came from the hand of God. Nobody planted a seed and, and manna came out. Nobody watered the seed and every day there was. That manna showed up every morning from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They had everything they needed in the wilderness to, to sustain them because it come from God. And these people are hungry and these people are in need and every need they have can be met through Jesus Christ. God chooses to use people. Don't be offended, but God don't need you. God don't need me. God does not need Main Street Baptist Church. God has within himself everything he needs, but for some reason or another, God and his great brilliant mind has chosen to use people. I love Adrian Rogers' quote when Adrian Rogers said that God could pull back the roof of the church and go boo and everybody in there would get saved. But for some reason or another, he has chosen to use little children. He's chose to use adults. For some reason, or another, this God with every unlimited resource has chosen to use his people. And God puts us in situations. 
Sometimes we put ourselves. But sometimes God puts us in circumstances that are bigger than us, circumstances that we cannot handle, so that He can show up and say that here I am, I am God. What we bring to Jesus is not enough. Those five loaves, those two fishes, 5,000 men plus children, women and children, that is not enough. Jesus Christ is enough. And all God wants us to do is to trust Him. In every situation, I will never remember, I never forget what J.D. said to me in the hospital bed after years of studying and been in God's Word for a long, long time, the, the spirit of revelation set down on me when J.D. Slover said to me this, all God wants us to do is trust Him. And here we are. Some of us have been called to preach. Some of us have been called to teach. Some of us have been called to be grandmothers and grandpas. And we've been called to do different things in different situations. And when God puts you in that situation, you have to understand you don't have the resources. You don't have the intelligence. You don't have the money. You're somewhere in what God's called you to do, you are going to find you within yourself. You are not enough. But Jesus Christ is enough. Gideon in Judges chapter number 6. I love Gideon. He's in the backside of the... He's in the mountains and he's hiding out. The Midianites are coming into Israel and they're, and they're taking their crops and they're taking their children and, and they're really harassing God's people. And Gideon is up on the mountain. He's hiding behind a wine press and he's thrashing some wheat and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord comes up to him and says, Hello! Mighty man of God. And Gideon probably went. And Gideon said, are you talking to me? King Wayne version. And the angel said, well, there's nobody else here. Just you. You, Gideon, you're going to set your people free from this, this great enemy. You are going to, to take care of the Midianites. No. I need to correct you, angel of the Lord. You pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. I am Gideon. I am from the tribe of Manasseh, the smallest tribe in, in all of Israel. And my family is the weakest of this weak tribe that's in it. I'm the lowest dude on the totem pole, and you have identified me as a mighty man of God. Whoa. And Judges chapter number 6, verse number 14, the angel said to him, he said, you go. You go in your strength. Have I not sent you? Listen to this. You're going to say amen. The church, the believer, needs to stop telling Jesus what they don't have and give to him what they do have. A little is a lot in the hands of Jesus. We all have problems that are bigger than us. But not one of us has a problem that's bigger than God. Genesis chapter number... 15, Genesis chapter number 17. I'll give you proof of how big your God is. In Genesis chapter number 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. 
And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Abraham is 99 years old. Now, God's not ready, getting ready to bring a son out of Abraham. God is getting ready to bring a mighty nations out of this 99-year-old man. Then Abram fell on his face and talked with God, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. You 99 year old man, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and your generations, and for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now watch. When Abram was 86 years old, he knew that God had promised him a son. His 70 plus, 75 year old plus wife was not able to do what God had promised. Abram takes matters into his own hands and he goes to Ishmael, or goes to uh, Hagar. Abraham, Abram and Hagar have a son and his name is Ishmael. For 13 years, Abram does not hear one word from God. And people will think, well, that's what you get when you, when, when you sin against God. You know what I think was happening there? I think for 13 years, or for, a, yeah, for 13 years, Abram looked at Ishmael and said, look what I have done. Look what I have produced. Look what my flesh has done. This is, and I believe for 13 years, Abram walked in the blessing of Ishmael. The results of our flesh puts the spotlight on us. Look what I've done. Look what I can do. Abram says, look at Ishmael. Look what I have produced. At the age of 90... Sarah's womb was dead. At the age of 99, Abram's body was dead. And here comes the one who has identified himself as I am, the God Almighty, El Shaddai. And this El Shaddai, who is God yesterday, today, forevermore, He could have taken Abram when he was 30 years old, when he was strong and full of life. He could have taken Sarai when she was beautiful and when she was young, and they could have raised this son Isaac, and he could have become a great mighty nation. But for some reason or another, God Almighty, El Shaddai, 
said, I'm not doing that through you at this moment. Paul said this about uh, Abraham in the book of Romans. Paul said Abram was almost a ninety, almost a hundred years old, and his body was dead. El Shaddai, the Almighty God, brought life to a dead womb, brought life to a dead body. And again, don't see Abram and Sarai as they produced Isaac. Abram and Sarah, they produced nations. 99 years old, deader than a hammer. God has raised up, put life into that. And El Shaddai, the God Almighty, has done something that only He could do. El Shaddai is the God of all sufficiency. Who nourishes and sustains completely. Sometimes when you're preaching and you're studying and you're, and you're trying to, 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 to ask God to give you a word to preach to a people that need to hear the word, sometimes you'll get caught up on, 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 on little bitty things that will just dominate your thinking for hours. You won't believe how long I have spent with this, this I am God Almighty, which in the Hebrew is El Shaddai. E-L means God. Capital G-O-D. It doesn't mean small G-O-D. It means God. Shaddai is, oh, has so much, there's so much to study in the word Shaddai. It has, it has a lot to do, the word Shaddai has a lot to do with the breast. Think about this. A mother taking their small child and bringing their child to her breast. That mother has everything within her to sustain, to nourish that child. That child has nothing to offer its mom. Abram took matters into his own hands. He produced Ishmael. Abram in his own flesh made him gom. Study Ishmael. But God, you notice when God came to him after 13 years of not hearing the word, God never scolded him. God never said, where's Ishmael? God said, I made a covenant with you. And I'm here, El Shaddai, God Almighty, I'm here to, to make good on that. And your body's dead. Sarah's womb is dead. Now watch what I can do. And they brought forth this son. El Shaddai means all the needs of God. El Shaddai meets all the needs of God's people. What does that mean? All, every need you have, God has met in Jesus Christ. I am the bread of life. See, that word bread, it has, a, it has a physical meaning to it. 
It has a spiritual meaning to it. Every time the Jews ate, every time they ate, they ate bread. They didn't always have meat, but they had bread. And bread was that thing that sustained them. That was that thing that they thought of about manna in the Old Testament and how it came from heaven. See, you're here this morning and you're in a terrible place. Marriage is coming apart, losing the job, bad diagnosis from the doctor, financial struggle. And you don't know what you're going to do. I encourage you to bow your knee and come into the presence of God and say, Jesus, because he is the bread of life. And he can meet every need you have. The Bible says that Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. He says, your father in heaven, he knows your need before you even ask. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8. And since he knows every need you have before you ask, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven. This is not the Lord's Prayer. This is the model prayer. This is Jesus teaching us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Listen to this. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That, that prayer starts out with praise. It ends with praise. But everything in the middle is provision. In the body of Christ, the things that has been preached today is prosperity or poor. Some people preach that you just need to sell all that you have and go live on a mountain and have one pair of Britches and shirt and give all you got to the Lord. Be poor. Some people need to preach that God's like Santa Claus. You bring him $5 and he'll give you 10 My favorite term. I like to turn it on television just every now and then just to hear this word. Sow a seed. You sow a seed and I'll pour some of my oil on it and send you a prayer cloth and you'll be good. Prosperity. Poor. You know what Jesus preached? Provision. The Bible says this. Give us this day. You notice these words are written in red. Give us this day our daily bread. That's an important word right there. I'm seeking provision. And I'm asking my Heavenly Father to what? To give us. Who's us? We are the people who have the ability to call Him Father. We are the people who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and He is our Abba. Give us this day our daily bread.
this day, our daily bread. Doesn't that sound a little bit redundant? God designed every one of us. And He designed our intestinal or digestive system. And God has designed every one of us to eat every day. God wants us to eat seven or eight times a day. What about this? Give us this month. How many of you, you, you moms that have been nursing a child wish that babies ate once a month? Some of us as believers wish you would say, give us our annual. You know what? Give us this day. God wants to talk to you every day of your life. He has designed you to, to, after a certain amount of time, you get hungry and you need food. God wants you to come to Him. He wants to come to you and He wants to give you daily food. Bread. See, bread, food speaks to a natural blessing. Food speaks to a natural blessing. Bread is a spiritual term in, in the Scripture. See, man is not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every day God wants to talk to you. It's okay to ask I am for our needs. Have you ever prayed for a, a muffler for your car? I had a 1971 Plymouth Fury. Solid white. Black top. It was as long as from here to that back door. It got about seven foot to a gallon. Took Joan to the prom in that 1971 Plymouth Fury. I remember that uh, you would have to, uh, if you get in there and you turn the key, to, what you had to do is you had to get out, raise the hood, take the, the breather off. I had a popsicle stick that I carried with me. I would take the choke and I'd stick that popsicle stick in there. I'd jump back in the car. And when it started, you got to be fast. You got to jump out there. You got to pull out the popsicle stick. You put the loop up in that back. Now, I know you think I'm being silly, but honestly, you hop back in there. And then if you had to get back quick and you get your boom, boom, and you're good to go. But my 1971 Plymouth Theory, my brother Justin tore the muffler off of my 19s. And you know what? He does what? He just walked off and left it. So when I went through town, people said, There comes Wayne in that 1971 Plymouth Theory. You remember my, you remember that? The prom was approaching and I had to do something about this. Because I was planning on going parking with my date and I didn't want anybody to know it was me heading up to the overlook. We didn't go far. Anyway, that, that, I took it down to the Midas shop down in Oak Ridge. And he said, uh, all right. he went out there and he looked at my car. And he went, 
So, buddy, that's going to muffler is going to cost you $180. I said, good Lord, buddy, my car is only worth $200. Do you want to put a $180 muffler on? And finally we talked and we talked and he put a muffler on my car for like $29. I needed a muffler for my car. See, it's okay to ask I am for things that you need. Sometimes our needs are material. Sometimes our needs are physical. Sometimes our needs are spiritual. See, we're all different, but we're all the same. If you're a single mother, you have needs. But your needs might be different from the pastor. If you're a pastor, your, your needs are different from the small business owner. But see, this is I am. This is the bread of life. And I can ask him for a battery for my car. You know what? If your child is struggling in school with behavior, if your child is struggling in school with reading, if there's, you know what you need to do? You just need to stop, put your hands on him, put your hands on her, and you need to call out to God and say, I need my son, my daughter, to read on great level. I need him to settle down and quit acting up on the school. But you need to ask God's help in those matters. Physical. You know, there are people who in Main Street Church who have physical need. Yes, there is a diagnosis, and yes, there is there is a, 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 a tumor. Your need is to call on God for a physical healing. There is a spiritual need. That's why he uses the word bread. I will give you your daily bread. How many of you are you here this morning walking through something? walking through a circumstance, and you could use a word from the Lord. Your need's not physical. Your need is spiritual. And you need to hear God say it's okay. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I went to Corbin, Kentucky, and I was preaching in a prayer breakfast there for some men. And at the end of my preaching, everybody came to the altar and prayed. And at the end of our prayer time, we all took hands and we stood in a circle and we sang this song. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I've been walking with the Lord for 46 years and I'm still learning to lean on Jesus. Look at this. This is the part that blessed me. Finding more power than I ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Those disciples, once they had fed those 5,000 men, plus women and children, after it was over with, they went and picked up 12 baskets. They had more power there than they ever dreamed. And you're walking through a tough time. Your circumstances are, are rough. There's more power available to you through Jesus Christ than you could ever know. Jesus the person, Jesus the bread of life, satisfies our deepest spiritual longing to know God. We have needs, we have struggles, we have all 
kinds of stuff. But our greatest need is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said, if you will come to me. Don't, I'm not talking about to a denomination. I'm not talking to a program. If you will come to me, you will never hunger and you will never thirst. Bow your heads with me, please. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you're thinking about your situation, you're thinking about your circumstances. And maybe you've become aware, maybe Jesus has created this moment that you might turn to Him. In just a moment, the altar is going to be open. I'm going to ask you to come. We're going to really pick up speed from this moment on. So what the Lord is telling you to do, you need to do quickly. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Stand with me. Come.